Are you a compassionate person? How do you express your empathy? Is it something that is in some way an extension of your own needs? You feel guilty when you see someone, let's say a homeless person, so you throw them a coin? Or is it coming from a deeper place? Compassion and empathy is a critical component in life. We both need to give it and receive it. In this part three of our new series, Seven Weeks to a Better You, we will be exploring and navigating the third of the seven emotional attributes and faculties that each of us have. The faculty in Hebrew called tiferet, empathy, compassion, beauty, harmony, truth. All of them are interwoven to both evaluate and understand where our compassion is and how we can improve it both to actualize our lives and to illuminate and warm the world around us. Please join me. Welcome, Simon Jacobson here. Part three of the seven-part series, Seven Weeks to a Better You. This week we cover empathy, compassion. So in the first two parts, we discussed love, chesed, and discipline, gvura. Two, you can say, alter egos in a way, but really two forces that balance each other, both are needed, as, as, as we discussed at length. We come now to the third of the seven emotional attributes. And remember, the seven are on the, the full spectrum of human of life, of human interaction and relationships. Briefly, love, discipline, compassion, determination, humility, bonding, and dignity. So we're now in the week of compassion. Let's first define compassion. And ostensibly, you could say it's similar to love. You love someone, you're compassionate to them. If you're compassionate to someone, there's an element of love. But that's not necessarily the case. You could be compassionate to a stranger. You don't need to necessarily love them in the same way, let's say, you love a spouse or a child. You can also have a love that lacks some compassion, so you could have compassion without so much love, and you could have love that doesn't necessarily have fully compassion. So what does compassion really mean? Another word for it would be empathy. So it means more than just loving someone, which is more the flow of my reaching out, my transcendence, my ability to connect with another. Compassion is actually, even when there may be a situation that may not deserve love, but it can deserve compassion. Like when you say, for example, when a person is in front of a judge and they plead for mercy. Mercy, I'm not asking for love. Love may be deserved, may not be deserved. And that depends on the situation. Discipline, actually, or judgment can come and say, one second, in this situation, 
Maybe love has to be limited in a certain way. Compassion is even for someone who may be guilty. You still extend compassion. But it goes further than that. Compassion adds a whole other dimension. In the Kabbalistic structure of things, chesed, love, is on the right, gvura, discipline, is on the left, and compassion, empathy, is in the middle. It's a balancer. It's harmony. And hence the word beauty, as we shall explain shortly. So this third dimension, empathy, compassion, also introduces an element of sometimes associated with truth. Now I say, what does truth have to all do all this? We're talking about emotional attributes. Now truth means that it's not about you. Now though love we discussed at length is not just about a selfish need, it's far more about transcendence, also not about you, but compassion goes a lot further than that. It's the capacity for you to feel another person's pain. It's the capacity for you to identify. Today they talk about mirror neurons. The classic example is that you see somebody, God forbid, about to close a door on their fingers. You like you can you 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 say ouch, or you even cringe, and you're not, it's not your fingers. But we associate with another. We can empathize and put ourselves in the shoes of another. So it's far more than just loving the person. It's actually divesting ourselves of our ego and allowing ourselves to connect to another person on that level. So love with compassion, obviously the best of both worlds. So compassion is that element of seeking a higher truth in our relationships with each other. And ultimately it's expressed by sensing and being sensitive to another and their needs. A, a classic story, which I always love, it's an excellent story for, for, any, for mentors, for therapists, for anyone that is, for parents, for educators. The story goes, one of the Hasidic Rebbes, who would come, people would come for advice. And advice would be a business advice, it would be personal advice, but sometimes it touched upon very deep internal emotional struggles and psychological challenges. So one individual once came to his Rebbe, and um, he was in line with others, they had appointments that, that day, that evening. And after he left the room, the Rebbe told his assistant, I'm pausing now, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be seeing anyone else, which was uncharacteristic of the Rebbe because it wasn't like, but the, the, the assistant understood, maybe the Rebbe's busy, maybe he has other things, maybe he's tired. He didn't know what it was. But as, he's, as time passes, and it was like extended time, it wasn't just a few minutes, he hears from inside the room of the Rebbe, he hears crying, sobbing, he sees the Rebbe's going through something very, very deeply introspective. Didn't know what it was. After a while... The audiences resumed. A few days later, either he asked or the Rebbe said to him, let me explain what happened. An individual came to me, shared with me something really, really difficult, very traumatic, and asking me for advice. I can't give advice to someone unless I find something similar within me to identify with that person. It's not just dispensing advice. And for the life of me, I could not find within me, even in the most subtle form, the, the, something similar to the issue he's struggling with. So I had to, since everything is divine providence, and he came to see me, that means there must be something inside of me. So I needed soul searching. And it took me time, and I prayed, and I did my, my internal introspection and evaluation until I finally found something. And when I was able to repair it within me, I was able to resume and give him the advice.
you talk about bedside manner, talk about empathy. It's not just, oh, you're the brilliant one, you're giving someone advice. That's nice. That you're, you're not uh, depriving someone of your uh, intelligence or experience or emotional his- history and so on. But it's another thing when you are able to put yourself in that person's shoes. That requires a deeper truth. And that's where teferit, compassion, empathy, comes into play. So now we have to ask ourselves, where do we stand in empathy, that capacity to do so? When they talk about sociopaths or psychopaths, I don't mean to bring up really extreme examples, but extremes sometimes help crystallize the healthy side of things. That they just don't feel for another. The studies on serial murderers, I know it's not what you expected in this conversation, but I think it's important to understand contrast. It's like understanding, to, to appreciate light, you have to look at the dark. To appreciate the sweet, you need to look at the bitter. To appreciate love, you need to look at hate or other forms that are anti, antithetical to love. So this, this the idea that a person just simply does not feel the pain of another, which is natural to us. You know, some of us even can't even, they say, kill a fly. Some of us can't, just can't stand the idea of hurting someone. And it's not necessarily because we've refined ourselves and worked ourselves. There's a certain natural, there are human beings, whatever it is, whether a certain screw is missing, or some other deep trauma they went through, whether it's genetic or not genetic, lack that. But the healthy, normal human being has empathy. But empathy needs to be cultivated, like everything. Even if you have it naturally, if you don't cultivate it, we do live in a world that often pressures us, deliberately or not deliberately, by osmosis, to be self-oriented and not to put ourselves in the shoes of another. And even if we do, either because we gain something from it or because it just uh, makes you feel bad. Like I remember once giving a class, and we were talking about compassion. So I said, we're compassionate people. Example, I live in New York. Sometimes you walk down the street, you see a homeless person. So the natural instinct is, you help them in some way. There's just a certain feeling of empathy. I remember we were once driving home a Saturday night from a certain event. My brother, myself, and he had bought some pizza. And we stopped at a corner was near the Bowery, when the Bowery was not yet a fashionable area. The Bowery in downtown New York. And he saw in the corner, it was a cold night, he saw a winter cold New York night, frosty night, and he saw a few people sitting with a garbage can, a fire lit, just to keep a little warm. So my brother, having these slices of pizza, he opened the window and gave it to one of the homeless people there. Maybe one, or, I think one or two slices. You had to see the scene. So you thought he'd gobble it up? No, he went back and cut it up and shared it, tore it apart and shared it with everybody. Just interesting. Now that, that came from the natural instinct when you feel for someone. But let's say, and I, this is the point I would make, let's say you're walking down the street and you had a bad day. Your, your boss just fired you. Or something else happened that you're not in a good mood. And you look at the homeless person, either you don't even notice the person because you're so consumed with your own needs, or worse, you start saying, what are these homeless people? Why don't they clean up the streets, etc.? Now, what happened with the day before when you felt the need compelled to help that person? It's because it was, more, it was coming more from a reflexive compassion as opposed to a deliberate one. 
which means it wasn't coming because you thought it through. It came, yes, we all have that now. And then now you're not in the mood, or you're in the opposite mood. So the true evaluation of compassion is to require an element of looking inside yourself and being able to do it, to be compassionate and empathetic, even when it's inconvenient, even when you're not so comfortable. Because it's really a, an emotion, not just to, because you have to help others unconditionally or feel for others, but also it, it, it exercises that muscle, that emotional muscle, that emotional component of your own heart and your own soul and your own psyche. So compassion, empathy is actually an exercise in being able to become a greater person beyond yourself. So in addition to the transcendence of love, compassion takes the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Someone shares with you a painful experience. You don't just say, oh, how pitiful. Not, I don't mean say it openly, but to yourself. Yeah, I'll have a little, uh, a little uh, mercy and help that person. It's more than that. You actually put yourself in those shoes. You, you identify in a way. It doesn't mean you have to be that person, but you identify with the person. So the overall concept of compassion empathy is getting to a place that's greater than our own selves, a deeper truth. And that's why Tiferet is the middle, middle path. It creates balance as well because you're not seeking to fill your own need. You're really looking to understand what, what, you, are, what you are needed for. And in that sense, it actually balances the love and the judgment or the discipline of the first two emotional attributes. It actually is a synthesizer. And hence the concept of beauty. Teferis in Hebrew means also beauty. What is beauty? You see a beautiful face, beautiful portrait, beautiful piece of music. It's hard to identify. You look around and say, what do we identify as beauty? We say beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. But yet there are objective things that people say are beautiful. What is beauty exactly? The translation of beauty is harmony within diversity. A beautiful face is not just beautiful eyes or beautiful nose or beautiful mouth or ears or complexion. It's a combination. It's taking different features and they come together in a certain coordinated and cohesive way, synchronized, that you say, that's a beautiful thing. One musical note can have a nice feel to it. But you keep playing it, it'll just become monotonous or even noise. What is music? Many different notes with different, that create different rhythms and different beats and so on. Combine them and you have beauty, beautiful music. The same with art. You may like the color blue, you may like the color red, you may like the color yellow, green, whatever. But beauty, a beautiful piece of art, is many different colors, many hues, many shades, many different items that come together in this harmony within diversity. And that is this key, harmony within diversity, a harmonious life. So when you look at love alone, or discipline, as we discussed, both are necessary, and they both complement each other. But that third, tiferet, empathy, compassion, truth, beauty, is a harmonizer. It's a, synthes- a synthesizer where it brings many things together and creates a harmonious life. It's not always easy to put your finger on it, but you see it when it happens. You sense a certain balance, a harmony among different forces in life. And this is a critical component as we develop our own personal lives to become the best we can be. 
seven weeks to a better you. And this is the third component. Now, with that said, as we've done in the previous parts of this new series, let's discuss the components that are critical to review within compassion, within empathy itself. And it too consists of the other seven. You need the love within empathy. You need the discipline within empathy. You need the empathy within empathy. You need the endurance or determination, ambition within empathy. The humility, yielding, and flexibility within empathy. The bonding within empathy. And finally, the dignity within empathy. So let's review that now. What is the love within empathy? The love within empathy adds, of course, a critical dimension. It's not just empathy as an obligation. It actually has an element of closeness. You can empathize with someone, like you have some people who are just very benevolent, but they don't necessarily express it in a form of love. Love and empathy, love within empathy adds a whole dimension of that feeling. And that, of course, is critical. If you want to have healthy compassion or the healthiest form of compassion, having love in it would be a tremendous thing. I remember somebody told me, telling me that they grew up in a charitable home, so they always give charity, but they're not necessarily in the mood of it. And they heard the class I gave on this topic, and I said, also love within your empathy. An example would be, instead of just giving charity, say something kind. Add some kind words. And that, is a criti- that adds a whole other dimension. Sometimes those words can be even more effective than the actual help, whether it's financial help or other forms of help. So it gives it more body, it gives it more personality, if you wish. And it rounds it out. So ask yourself, as we've discussed in your journal, hopefully you're making a journal, in a column, write down and ask yourself the question, how's my love in the empathy that I have? The next is the discipline. Compassion needs discipline. This is what we call sometimes the crime of compassion. You just feel bad for someone and then you do something and it doesn't necessarily help them. Now going back to the example of a homeless person, why is it that we may throw a coin, but you're not going to invite that person to come to your house for dinner? You may think they're dangerous, or you may feel uh, uncomfortable, or whatever it may be. So what determines exactly what is the right compassion? Maybe you should offer them a job. Maybe you should get them a job. Now, some people say, that's too much for me. So the discipline within so it could be, there could also be the other way around. We could have so much compassion, we just feel bad, but it's not really productive. You have compassion to the wrong person and you just help them and then you find out that your help is going toward the wrong things. They're, bu- they're buying alcohol. They're buying drugs. I'm not saying you have to necessarily go and have a, 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 a whole audit of when you give charity to someone. But the idea is that compassion needs also a form of discipline. It needs measuring. It needs, um, needs seasoning, so to speak. It needs to be defined. It shouldn't just be done reflexively. Obviously, there are times that we do it reflexively, and I'm not criticizing that. But again, a full-bodied, a full-blown, a full-developed compassion should also have a measure of accountability, a measure of measure, (laughs) discretion. And this is not meant to limit it. It's meant to harness it and direct it. Then, of course, there's the compassion of compassion, which really is the evaluation of the very compassion that we have that I really began with. That's always central because you want to evaluate the very component, the empathy you have. Does empathy come natural to you? Is it something you have to work on? Can, can you show more empathy? Many of us sometimes feel, yes, 
I'm not paying enough attention, I'm too distracted, even sometimes to our loved ones. We can be so consumed in our own thoughts, your child comes over to you, then you realize, you know, maybe I should have given more time, more attention. So it's an evaluation of the general state of your empathy and compassion. Plus, the elements I spoke about earlier, that of course the compassion as part of harmony, the compassion of the truth of compassion. So it's a fuller evaluation of the compassion of your compassion. Then comes the next, the fourth, and that is the endurance, the determination. As it is with everything, you may have the feature, you may have the, the quality of empathy, but it's not enduring, it's fleeting. It's not consistent. It's, we saw it earlier, it could be moody. So endurance is always the test of time that shows how a person's commitment to something. So this is the for the endurance of your compassion. It's consistent. Now, of course, we all are going to go through moods and there'll be ups and downs. But you're making a deliberate effort to, to make sure that you're not just doing it by rote or mechanically, but it's a consistent part of your life. And that can be developing habits and routines. Every day I'm going to show a little compassion to a stranger, to someone I know, to someone I don't know. It could be online and in an enduring way. And it's more important to do a little every day than just to cram it in once a week. Because then it becomes part of your daily routine and therefore becomes part of your personality. And that is ultimately what develops, like exercise. Better to exercise every day five minutes than exercise once a week, one hour. Because it just creates, a, it conditions you and also becomes a healthy habit and a healthy part of your regimen. Number five is the hoid, the humility, the flexibility, the yielding. Now the humility is, I think, quite clear why it's necessary. The humility within compassion makes sure that compassion is the healthiest form of compassion. Not coming from arrogance, not coming from showing off. Even though, frankly, when you help someone, even if you have ulterior motives, it's better than not helping someone. But we're talking here about being the best you can be. Seven weeks to a better you. And you want to be the best, not just adequate, not just the minimal. And as such, the humility is a critical component. It's recognizing that you are here in this world, not just for you, but to give. Not just to take, but to give. And as such... Empathy is then driven by that humility, which of course leads to a yielding. There are some people, I've seen this, that their compassion actually makes them more arrogant, ironically. And to the point that, like, you know, I've seen this many times in counseling couples, and the husband or the wife want to do something compassionate for, for the community, for, the, for their congregation. And the spouse feels something else should be done. And you could actually get into an argument. My way, yielding is critical because it also demonstrates we're doing it for a higher purpose. Obviously, find things that you relate to, that you identify with. I'm not talking about going against necessarily your, your nature. But you have to also always have that aspect of being flexible. Sometimes the compassion can be directed elsewhere. Don't be so obstinate about it and stuff like that. So it's the other side of determination and the tenacity of the netzach, the fourth component, comes the other side, the ability to be flexible, which also opens up more channels of the, how your compassion will express itself. Number six, the bonding within compassion. 
Now, bonding, as we discussed, is a critical element in every emotion, in every one of the seven emotions. It becomes something you connect with. So in addition to just having empathy with the love and with the discipline and with the endurance and with the humility, you also there's a bonding element. I mentioned the story earlier where that great, that great Rebbe identified with the other person. This wasn't just a one-time thing. He saw himself and the souls, that souls need to always connect. That when someone comes to you for help, it's more than just they're coming, you're giving and they're receiving. It's an opportunity for intersecting of souls. Cross-pollination is sometimes the word used today. Cross-pollination where you benefit as well. Not that you're doing it for that reason, but there's a bond that's connected. So empathy is more than just empathy. It's also the bond of two human beings. Now this can be in a loving way, in a more romantic way you're dealing with a spouse, in a loving way with family, children, and family members and friends, but it also could be to strangers. So you say, how do you bond with strangers? Well, look, first of all, not every stranger has to remain a stranger. They can become a friend. But bonding is that you're bonding with experience, that when you're sitting on a plane or you're in a situation, instead of just focusing on your own self, who's sitting near you, open a conversation, obviously not intruding on anyone, a kind conversation, show compassion. You're bonding with another human being. And many things come out of that. The fruits of our connections, especially the spontaneous ones, are impossible to even fathom if we allowed it. You know how many people have challenges and questions? And I always say, open yourself up to fresh new things. You meet someone, don't close yourself off. Have a conversation, strike up a conversation. You never know what you're going to learn from it. You go to a party, you go to an event, meet new people. That's a form of like bonding. So the compassion that we have should be also with that element of bonding. And finally comes the malchus, the dignity of compassion. And here the litmus test is quite clear. Is it making you, and especially the person that you're showing empathy to, a more dignified person? Talk about someone that's a, I I use homeless simply because it's an easy example. Do they feel more dignified or do they feel condescended and patronized? Or do they feel condescension, I should say? And patronize too. That can also be compassion. Like, you know, yes, I'm helping you. I'm being sensitive to you. But you make them feel that the, the... Whereas dignity means you're honoring them. You're respecting them. And that is a whole different dimension. That showing compassion is not just something, oh, okay, I have the compassion and now you are benefiting from my benevolence, from my kindness, from my empathy. But actually they feel elevated. They feel it's your honor. That's not just you're doing them a favor, but it's your honor. And they feel honored. They feel respected. Because your compassion is coming because I respect that you are a divine soul, that God put you in this world, and you deserve everything. And you deserve my compassion, not because I'm a compassionate person, but because you are a valuable and indispensable and priceless soul, a priceless human being. And that's the dignity within compassion. And with that, we covered the seven within this third emotional attribute, emotional virtue called teferet, empathy, compassion, harmony, truth. And thank you for joining me. And we will continue through the other, we have another four to go, the other four weeks in this series called Seven Weeks to a Better You. 
This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center. Please go to MeaningfulLife.com for this and many other such programs. And it's always an honor to share a few words. I'd love to hear your comments, your feedback, your thoughts, your suggestions. And of course, please share. Please be empathetic, compassionate. Share. Pay it forward. Be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.